Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where supermodifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Inside Groove Supermodified podcast. Glad to have you all aboard for another episode. My name is Tom Baker, and joining me on the show right away, right now, in the uh, pit area, ready to come out. We're going to hit a button and bring him out on the air. Howie Page is with us. Uh, we are going to start this show uh, with a special uh, tribute through Howie to Tim T, who passed away this week, supermodified team owner for so many years. Uh, and first of all, Howie, I know that you drove for Tim for a number of years. Um, what uh, kind of got the two of you together originally? And then talk to us a little bit about Tim. Okay, so I could uh, I could go on and on about some some stories that we had, but please. Uh, in 87, I was uh, just getting started had, and had my own car. And, uh, you know, at the track, uh, Tim, Tim just took a liking to me, and we, we became friends. And uh, he uh, actually helped me uh, with my own car a little bit in 87. And we actually went to Syracuse together for the dirt race. And, oh, okay. um, and that was a lot of fun. I think those guys didn't have very good luck there, but. We had a lot of fun camping out there, and oh, then the following uh, <laughs> in that fall uh, at Thompson Speedway for the World Series, Tim approached me and asked me if I'd wanted to drive for him the following year, and um, it was uh, that was a big opportunity for me, you know, for for a guy just getting going, not really knowing what he was doing half the time, and uh, and uh, Tim really gave me my first shot, and and uh, we actually got our first win that following year with him at Star. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, that was, you were driving for him when you got your first win. Talk about, uh, your relationship with him. And yeah, if you got stories, man, uh, bring them. We love stories. Let's talk <laughs> yeah. about stories. Well, the, fu the funniest thing was that in 87, we we're at the, at the fairgrounds, uh, camping out overnight the night before the big races there. And, and of course we had a couple cocktails and Timmy woke me up first thing in the next morning, banging on the door, and he said, told me I had to go to the diner next door because I had pancakes as big as the right rears we were running. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he that's the kind of guy he was. He was a lot of fun, uh, you know, on and off the track. He was real serious at the racetrack. He spent a lot of money, and, you know, his cars were, you know, always top-running cars. But um, but he always liked to have a good time, that's for sure. Well, you know, it's uh, it, it, as we get older, it's one of the uh, obviously the 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 sad things about getting older is that you start losing your best friends and your family, and and uh, you know it's the natural life cycle. But uh, I think the measure of a man is always the impact that that others feel like he left on you know their lives, and and uh, you don't realize sometimes you know, while you're, you're kind of living life and things are going on, um, you know, sometimes after somebody's gone, then you realize the impact they've had. And it's been obvious to me just, uh, um, you know, watching, uh, people talk about him on online, uh, the impact that he had in any really, I mean, in terms of the racing community, he, 
he had a number of different drivers, obviously, racing for him. And, and uh, I think for him to give you a chance so young in your career really shows the kind of person he was. And, you know, obviously that launched uh, you into a place where you could then go forward and end up building cars and, you know, at least uh, making a living off the sport in, in at least in partial uh, status for a while. Yeah. Yeah, well, when we started with Tim, uh, like I said, in 88, we uh, were actually teammates with Dick Batchelder. Okay. And, uh, you know, we all shared the same shop, and uh, Dick and I always got along real good. And um, it was a real cool deal to, uh, you know, of course, Dick had a lot, a lot, a lot of experience. And uh, so I learned a lot from him and, you know, just watching, you know, what he did and talking with him. And and uh, it worked out pretty good, Um we just had a lot of fun and uh, yeah, Timmy's had a, you know, obviously a number of drivers for him. Um, always had success. I think the, obviously I think the biggest success for a period of time was when Dave Samard, um, yeah. was driving for him. They won a lot, a lot of races, uh, no matter where they went, they were, they were contenders and, um, he always had top notch equipment. That's for sure. Was he was he a hands-on owner? Was he also working on the cars, or was he kind of just the owner and had other people doing all the work? Yeah, no, Timmy will tell you, he, uh, he didn't really know which end of the wrench to use most of the time. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he, he, you know, he wasn't afraid. If it, it, something needed to be bought, you know, to take to make these tires, you know, to be uh, top-notch tires, he, he wasn't afraid to spend the money. But he had really good guys that, uh, that knew what they were doing, and uh, that maintained the cars, and um, obviously it showed. Those his cars always were really, really good. Do I remember that Butch Valley built those cars? Or who yeah, was... Butch Valley yeah. built one. They actually uh, the original uh, one of the original cars they had was was actually Dave Snap's car, which Dave Snap and uh, Jimmy Champagne were good friends, and uh, Dave Snap uh, built the exact same car. Uh, Jimmy co- let him copy it, basically. Ah, okay. So that's the that's the original car one of the original cars that tim had and then butch valley built another car uh to match that car as well and the, the, actually the car that i drove was a was a show car and uh, oh okay. that one had some changes made to it also but uh but yeah the snap car uh was a jimmy champagne copy and then and then butch built the same the second car so competitive back then too i mean you guys Running at Star and and you know even on the Isma Tour, um, just the names of the drivers that were uh, that were racing at that time. I'm sure that must have been a a really fun time for you growing into the sport uh, with a guy like Timmy who had so much uh, passion for it and so much desire to succeed that's really the perfect recipe for you to be able to get your feet under you and learn what you need to in order to go out and win races yeah tim was really cool with me uh you know of course he concentrated on star speedway yeah back in you know the mid late 80s um he did start traveling and doing some isma, isma stuff as you know with his with date with dave samar but he let me uh we traveled the isma series in you know, most 88, 89. And, um, and he was really good about letting us go and, and running some of those races. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great experience. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was basically where you, 
kind of developed a lot of your super modified skill set, and uh, then uh, of course you you've you had a great career. Uh, you know, after that, um, you know, what uh, after Tim T. Did you go out on your own right away, or there was? I feel like there was another car owner you ran for for a little while. Yeah, well, I... actually, I ran a couple different cars. Right after Tim, we ran uh, uh, Bruce Budnick's car, which was a Clyde Booth car that okay. Mike Ordway uh, used to own. It was actually Mike's old car, and then um, and then I built a car for Ron Marino. That's right. That's who the, it was. Yeah, that Penzo a ten car that yes. we ran uh, for about a season and a half, I guess, with Ron with that car. And that was the first car that you built? That was actually the second car that I built. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that was the second car that I built for Ron. And then um, we started running a Swiggo four, five, six times. I think that was 89. Yep. And then uh, and then that's when I decided to move to a Swiggo and, and concentrate on a Swiggo uh, for myself right after that. Yeah, you uh it was it was awesome that uh I mean you made the commitment. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to say, well, I'm going to, you know, live still in New Hampshire or wherever, uh, you know, Ohio whatever and travel back and forth, but you went all in and basically moved to Oswego to try and go um what I mean, talk about that transition and, you know, how did you, I think you ended up going to work for Eddie Bellinger, I think, right? That was that right away or was. Yeah, that was, that was actually shortly right after I moved here. Okay. Um, yeah. I wanted to, if I was going to attempt it, I really wanted to be right here. So, uh, and you know, I was just, the, there was 30, 35 cars on night. So, so the, yeah. you know, the competition was incredible. And, um, and Eddie, Eddie and I hit it right off at the beginning, and yeah, I worked for Eddie for 12 years, and uh, it was a great it was a great run with Eddie, and um, he helped me an awful lot, also, uh, during that time with, you know, I was building quite a few cars back then, also, when I first came here. Was that something that you were looking to do? Because I I know for, to, to me as a fan, still fairly young back then. I mean, it it was almost like all of a sudden there were all these Howie Page cars. Was that a business decision that you made when you came here? That that was something you wanted to do was build cars for other people, or did how did that evolve? You know, I just enjoy building them. It's one of my you know my favorite things. Uh, you know, get behind the wheel is 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 also but it's 50 50 i really really enjoy building cars and um um it wasn't really a plan to build a lot of cars it just sort of happened um you know we had we had a couple guys ask about them so we you know we built built a few and we built a few more and a few more and it just kind of kept rolling for you know for quite a while it's it's interesting how that's happened over the years with different um drivers or or whatever like you know Kempton Dates ended up building a bunch there in that one small span of time and then um you know you ended up building a bunch and you know it it's it's interesting how it becomes you know one car runs fast and then everybody wants a copy of it and it just sort of happens Muldoon got into it that way I think um you know I'm not sure any of you guys ever kind of consciously said I'm going to start a car building business it just was sort of the demand that created the uh, necessity to do that, right? Yes, exactly. You know, in that era, for sure, you know, uh, the Graves cars came out, and they were super fast, so everybody yeah. kind of jumped on that bandwagon. You know, my cars happened to run pretty good for a bit, so, you know, same thing, you know. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, Muldoon and, 
and, and others. And that's how it works. Uh, you know, things get going good and people see it. So they just, they just want to try it basically. And it, and it just kind of keeps moving forward. Just unfortunately the times have changed now. I mean, uh, Phil yeah. Hockey obviously has built a lot, a lot of tires, but, uh, but it's kind of not down to about one builder nowadays. You know, you got a couple guys that'll do their own thing, but, um, it's, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it's, uh, it's not the same as it was back in the, you know, in the eighties, nineties and the early two thousands. Well, no, I mean, I, it's definitely gone to, um, I mean, I guess cookie cutter is the way to, to say, um, you know, Joey's obviously built the most cars. You have Paulie Coloca. And as you say, there are a few guys that are doing their own thing. And some of them have done it quite well with Abold and, you know, the Champagne Ocetic group and some other folks like that. But, um, you know, racing in general has gone that way. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. I, I'm sure you you share the same sentiment that I do. And I think it's just a factor of the era we grew up in where it was innovation and everybody was doing something different and it just made it so enjoyable. Tell me, take me all the way back. How did Howie Page first get exposed to and interested in racing? Oh, well, my dad, I grew up in Loudon, New Hampshire, right across from the speedway. Oh. My dad had cars back in the sixties. Oh, wow. And, uh, so I've, I've always been around the racetrack and we started going to, we moved to, uh, Sandown, New Hampshire. And, uh, we started going to star. I think my first time at star was like 1969 or 70, to be honest with you. Wow. And, uh, of course, Ollie Silva, Howard Brown, Dick, all oh, those guys. Don just, you know, huge, I was oh. huge fans of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, spent a lot of nights when I, as a kid, wide awake at night, trying to figure out how am I going to do this someday? Oh, really? Know? Wow. So you knew early on that you wanted to do it, but of course you could have had no idea here again. You know, I, I just want to drive daddy. And eventually you start driving. Next thing you know, you're building cars for people. It's amazing the trajectory that it can take and you have no idea what's, what's ahead for you. But when did you first sit in a car? So let's say I actually built a street stock. Oh, uh, I got to think what year it was. I think it was 80. I think it was 85. Uh, okay. Built a street stock, ran that a few times and uh, it was fun. You know, we, we ran wherever we could. And, uh, um, but then, uh, Bob Hutchinson, he let me take his, he had a Vic Miller copy. Okay. And he let me take his car around star speedway on a Wednesday night. And then I said, well, that was it. Two weeks <laughs> later I had, Sold my street stock. I was gonna bought, say, I bought an old eight-inch <laughs> offset car, which uh, which was a car that um, Dave Kane built for. I, I got to think now. Uh, Paul Richardson, uh, Larry Record drove it. It was a popular car when it first came out. So I ran that car. I put that car together, ran it three or four times, and then I ended up buying the car from Bob Hutchinson. Oh, uh, in '86. And uh, we just ran a few races with that. And eight, basically, 87 was my first full season with one of those cars. And were you still running that car? Or was that the first year that you drove for uh, Tim? No, that was 87. I was still driving my own car. Okay. Like I said, we ran we ran some uh, as much of the Isma races as we could. Star, Speedway. We actually ran the fairgrounds. And, um, and then, like I said, the... the Beginning of 88 is when I went to drive for Tim full time. Okay. Okay. Yep. So over the winter, we got everything ready to go. And Timmy had hired me and then Butch Valley had hired uh, Dick Batchelder. And, um, and there was some conversation that, well, you know, one of these guys 
need to go. <laughs> you know, we can't have two drivers. And Tim says, well, it's too late. I already told Howard he's driving. So we that's when the two-car team came together. Wow. And uh, actually, there was three cars at the end of the 88 season. Uh, they put the, the third car together, and Paul Richardson drove it. There was three cars at the Classic at Star Speedway that year. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, actually, Dick Batchelor ended up winning it. What a what a, a couple of guys to learn from for you. I mean, Batch and Paul Richardson had been around forever by then and were both just incredibly talented, not just in supers, but they could run modifieds or probably about anything else that they got into and, and run up front and win. That must have been great knowledge for you to be able to mine from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Those those guys had a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, a uh, lot of uh, – history and just a lot of knowledge to, to watch and learn from and uh and just great guys to deal with too they're all just great guys to be around when you first came to a swiggo that had to be i mean everybody talks about and even bentley i i had to laugh uh, bentley on dale jr's podcast this week trying to talk about a swiggo and dale did his best and really did a good job of he kind of knew most of his facts he had read the 50 years of classic book but it's like bentley just talking about how when he walked through the gate and he looked down at turn four and he looked down at turn one it was kind of like oh boy this is uh, a whole other thing and i have to believe that anybody who has been at star speedway their entire career or you know the bull rings up there in in new england which i personally revere honestly um, that comes to a swig and just looks at it and goes, yikes. What was it like <laughs> for you? Yeah, same thing. You know, the first time I walked into that place, it was, uh, you know, it's an amazing racetrack to be at and, and to try to figure out, how, okay, how am I going to do this? Yeah. And uh, But you know what? Even if I went there this weekend and did it, I would feel the same way walking through those gates. Isn't it amazing? Because uh, yeah, I Swiggo is just, yeah. you know, just an amazing racetrack. Always has been. Obviously, tons and tons of history there, and and it's always been very competitive. And uh, it's a it's a tough place to race at, but if uh, you know you do your homework, you can actually you know if you can get going good there, then you've made an accomplishment. Well, you definitely did. You won your share of features and uh, really, I think, had a pretty nice career there. I mean, is is there is there a memory or two that kind of sticks out in your mind, maybe about races that you ran there or, you know, just uh, anything in general about your time as a driver? And not that I want to make you, um, you know, old and decrepit here, because certainly <laughs> I'm sure if somebody offered you a ride, you'd probably still get in it. But, uh, you know, I know that the whole thing kind of evolved and you've just, um, you know, you've you've moved on from it uh, at least for the moment but do you have a a memory looking back at the races that you ran there or whatever oh yeah for sure definitely the biggest letdown in my career was uh in 2002 of course we were running all the isma races and all the races at oswego yeah and and basically we led the points the whole season other than the first week i think mike ordway had the lead the first week and then he didn't you know he only raced a few races so okay we basically led the whole season but it was close it was very close with Otto and and uh Sean Muldoon and and uh we had run I think Lee the Friday night before the last race and I think we ended up finishing third up there on a Friday night came back to a swigger race Saturday night for that that last race and uh, or maybe it was a week before we ran Friday night I think it was but anyways the, the last night uh, losing the championship on the last lap, basically, we broke our motor. We came from 21st to third, and uh, 
three laps to go on a restart, broke the motor. And uh, that was probably the biggest letdown of my career. I thought we pretty much Ugh. had it in the bag that night, but it, it, you know, that's just the way racing goes. You don't, it's not over till that checkered flag falls. Well, that's for sure. Uh, and it's interesting that the first thing that you thought of was a letdown instead of something positive. It goes to show <laughs> you how, you know, how the uh, letdowns can kind of stay with you uh, sometimes longer than, you know, it's like, man, I should have had that. Um, you know, but you certainly had a, a, a great career and I, and your cars, number one, the craftsmanship was always fantastic and, and they were always fast. Uh, were you surprised at the amount of interest that you had in your cars? I mean, did it kind of go like, how am I going to do all this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was super psyched when, you know, the guys were winning races, Timmy Guru and Bob Gudemau and, uh, you know, all the other guys I built cars were running good. Yeah. Um, you know, that just makes me feel good. You know, um, I've never been, you know, me, me, I, I type guy, you know, if those guys are, you know, winning, you know, I'm the first one to congratulate them. I don't like getting beat by them all the time. That's happened more than once, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, when you build a decent product and, uh, you know, it works good, you know, you like to, you like to see that stuff. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to lose to another car, you'd like it to be one of yours, right? Cause yeah. Then, oh yeah. That's happened more than one occasion. I can tell you that it's good. <laughs> it's good for business for sure. Even <laughs> if it's not necessarily good for your personal stats. Um, let's go back to that. I want to talk about the fairgrounds for a minute. So, um, having the chance to race a super on dirt, especially back in that time period, the seventies, and that went on for, you know, a number of years, but what was it like for you the first time you actually went out on the mile with, with the super modified? Well, like, like I said, I was pretty new at that deal and, uh, you know, only had a car, only raced a car a few times and, um, you know, same thing going to Syracuse and looking down those straightaways, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a whole different ball game. And, uh, actually that's the year that, um, that Steve Joy uh, and uh, Joe Slemmy got in that accident uh, where Steve broke his wrist, I believe. And, uh, you know, the it was very competitive. Uh, you know, we got lucky enough. I think we ended up finishing sixth or seventh in that race that day. But, uh, you know, not having a clue what to use for tires, what to use for gears or yeah. any of that stuff. You know, air filters on the car that are taller than the roll cage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was different. But I really enjoyed it. And I... I was really kind of bummed out when they stopped running it because I always thought that that was a, uh, just something different. It was good for publicity for the, for the, for the Isma tour and super modifieds in general. And, um, I was just a little disappointed when they stopped doing that. How did you, how did you have to drive it differently on the mile versus, you know, the normal asphalt tracks? <laughs> I had no clue. To be honest with you, back then we just, you know, put your foot on the gas and keep that thing as straight as you can. <laughs> okay. So you weren't really, I mean, I didn't see the first few. I, I, by the time I went, gosh, I don't even remember what year, the first year I got to go in. And it was Joe Gozik had that big ass right rear tire on that. Oh yeah. Like I came that, off. I can't remember truck. Joe won the week that, in 87 or who won. The, I think Joe did win in 87, yeah, I believe. But yeah. That was, was just, uh, uh, you know, some guys are running the big rubber. Some guys are running the smaller rubber. Oh, uh, 
everybody's trying something different. Yeah, it was incredible to watch. I mean, it just it, it had to be crazy being out on the dirt with one of those. Of course, nowadays, I don't think the current Super Modified would be very dirt worthy. But, uh, you know, everything's so low to the ground and all that. I, I don't know how you'd possibly put that thing on a dirt track and expect it to race. But back then, I, I agree with you. I thought it was really cool and it was neat. They had that Syracuse Oswego Challenge and you get some of the dirt guys coming in to to fill in in supers and and run that and, and you know that was uh those days were fun and and it was still the era where there was still innovation and and it was you know you saw a lot of variety even back then and uh it, you know again i think you know you coming up at star i can't even imagine growing up in new england and being a part of that scene because even Obviously, for me growing up in Oswego, you know, we had a lot of we have a lot of dirt tracks and they have a lot of things going on in New York State, too. But I've always tell people told people and I and I still do. Even down here, I tell people all the time, New England to me is the last great sort of colony of motorsports because those tracks up there, all the different modified divisions, you've got your pro stocks or super lates, whatever you call them. Um, you know, you've got supers, you've got all kinds of stuff going on up there. And it just seems like in some ways, New England hasn't totally aged a lot of the racing and a lot of the, the, the tracks and a lot of the excitement for motorsports seems like it's as big time now as it was, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. Um, and I just can't even imagine what that scene would have been like to grow up in. Yeah, uh, you know the New England racetracks. Course, is not much for dirt racing up there. It's mostly that's true. It's definitely yeah. modified country, and you know, like you say, late models and pro stocks, super modifieds. Uh, but you know, stop. You know, staples. You know, just um, you know, a lot of history and tracks. Yeah. Uh, you know, Thompson's been there for you know so long, and then Stafford and Seekonk, yeah. Star, Lee, and uh, they're all, you know, other than, you know, Stafford and, and Thompson being bigger racetracks, but those little bull rings, uh, oh. yeah, those are tough little racetracks. That's yeah. for sure. What was your favorite New England track to race at? You know, I, I grew up racing at Star. Obviously, that's where I started. But I do have to say Thompson has always been my favorite racetrack to race on. Why is that? Is it just big and fast? Or, I mean, yeah, is there just, I've out? always liked the big tracks. Uh, Thompson, uh, Oswego, Toledo, all those the bigger, faster racetracks. I've just always really liked those uh, to race on uh, more than the little bull ring tracks. You had just, uh, just my personal, you know, uh, liking. Yeah, you had an overactive courage uh, button there. <laughs> <laughs> so you like to go fast, and there are obviously a lot of drivers who are like that. And then um, there there have been some over the years, I guess, that probably uh, you know. I remember, gosh, I can remember a couple drivers that uh, over the years um, people said would never come to a Swiggo because it was you know it was too big and. They liked running at Star or Sandusky or whatever, um, and it's always interesting when that uh, uh, when that happens. But you know, you you had a tremendous career, and it is so uh, it is so cool to be able to kind of think back with you and remember your time uh, behind the wheel. The last car that you built, obviously, you designed to compete with the modern day super. What went into that and? And do you feel like 
um, there was kind of more in that car than, you know, maybe what you got on. Talk about that car in general and what your thoughts were about having to try to build one of these aero-style supers. Yeah, so uh, being away from it for a few years, you know, I, I took a couple years building that car. Yeah. And after I got it all done, um, obviously there was a couple things I didn't really care for and a few things that I thought I should have done differently. Ah. I had a be honest with you, I had a little bit too much, um, older technology, um, stuff that I, that I, that I like to use in the past that I put into that new car. And then there was some new stuff I tried. Um, yeah, I I thought the car would have been a little bit better. Uh, I think if we'd have ran it more, we didn't run it that much. We only ran, you know, a few times a year with it. Um, I, I mean, I still think it had some potential, we just had to spend more time. And, and with my business, I just didn't have the time to spend on it. So, uh, you know, we ended up selling the car. Uh, you know, it uh, it was kind of bittersweet. I wasn't sure if I wanted to sell it, but it was a deal that somebody really wanted it. And, and it was basically a deal I couldn't say no to. So it all went down the road. Um, I just built a new shop at my house. And, my you know, I plan on building some new cars. Uh, really? We're going to do that real soon. Really? And um, not even, even if it's not for me, I don't know if I'll, you know, run behind the wheel. I did get an offer to run the classic this, this, this month. Um, oh, whether I'll do it or not, I'm not hundred percent sure yet, but, uh, but I really enjoy building those cars. But when I build the new cars, I'm going to do, yeah, we're just going to spend a lot more time, you know, with obviously with the independent front suspension and, and some, uh, some, some little different rear suspension ideas and, and hopefully we can build something that'll that'll definitely compete. I've always want I've always said to myself that I always want to build a car that'll compete at Oswego and also with a wing on it for the Isma Tour. Because uh I just I just feel that uh you need to be able to run both and you need to be able to support both if this if this class is you know, the class all all around is gonna survive. Boy, I agree, Howie. I, I just, it's so hard to watch. Uh, but, you know, you and I obviously came from the days when um, if there was a winged race, everybody went. And if there was an Oswego race or a star race or whatever, everybody, everybody went. And now it's almost like it's just so hard with these cars and people just don't want to travel and they don't want to, you know, the expense obviously is higher. And, it, and, and it's just a, it's a tough climate, I think. But it sure would be nice and we've seen some of the hawk cars and the newer style cars that have obviously been able to run uh on both tracks but it's you know it is hard to do that and man i'm excited to hear that you're gonna uh build build cars again and i think that's a bit of a bombshell we got some breaking news here on the groove i think people (laughs) will be excited to hear that that uh you're wanting to get back into the game and uh uh, I don't know who your opportunity for the classic is with, but I, I know I probably can speak for everybody listening to this show when I say we would love to see you back on the track, Howie. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Like I said, it's just we're just talking about it right now. We'll see if it if it pans out. But uh, uh, but yeah. Anyways, you know, like I, like I said, I really enjoy building cars and. Um, looking forward to build some new ones and you know we'll probably build maybe even build a couple of 350 cars because i think that class is really going to take off oh it has yeah i hope it doesn't put the big blocks out of business um it 
it more or less did in New England. So I'm not sure what's going to happen down the road here. But, you know, you can't stop progress. Whatever happens, happens. Um, It's just tough. The big blocks are so costly, you know. Oh, they're very expensive to build. You know, know, there's a few – we don't have to get into it, but there's definitely a few rule changes that I think I would like to see uh, to make those cars a little bit more cost-effective. I mean, granted, um, they're still going to be a very expensive race car. Yeah. But there's some areas that I think you could really save and, uh, you know, would really be helpful to the guy that almost can do it. Yeah. But can't quite. That's the thing. thing. Like, I look at Oswego, and, again, it's easy for me. I'm, you know, I don't have a dime invested. But, uh, you know, looking at it from the outside in, it's like this is perfect. You've got the go-karts out back to start out in when you're young. Then you can move into the the small block class, which has gotten much more affordable with the crate motor. And then it's not an a really, really difficult step into the 350 class, but then it's a huge step financially, even though, you know, people say, well, you already have the car. Um, and even if that's, we accept that is true, it's still a big financial step to that, you know, those big block motors and the tires and, you know, all of that. It just feels like um, that's the, the rung of the ladder that if you could just, you know, if you could just find a way to close that gap a little bit, Oswego would have the cat's meow because you'd be able to then make it easier for somebody to go all the way up through and end up racing a big block, you know, at some point down the road. And it's a it's a really nice pipeline that they've got. Yeah, sure is. Uh, back in the, you know, the, the mid to late 90s and then the early 2000s when, you know, we had built a bunch of cars. Yeah, you know a lot of those guys, Timmy Grew and Goodmount, a bunch of those guys came from the the limited class, which Absolutely. was really yep. that was really the whole idea of the limited class to begin with, right? And to, and and it was really good because there was a lot of guys that stepped up, and not yep. just in my cars, but other cars. Obviously, for Greg sure. Furlong yeah. and others. Um, you know, uh, I don't see the guys making the move as much now. Definitely the 350 class is a closer step. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, the racing is really good with that class. And it, it is. It, and it's very cost effective. So to get a guy to spend, you know, 50000 on a on, on a on a big block, you know, is uh, that, that's a big step. Plus the shock packages and, and others, you know, the cars themselves. Uh, you He's... know, I would love to see it happen. I don't ever want to see the big blocks go away. Oh, me neither. Because it's just an amazing class. So I hope they... Hope it gets figured out to uh, maybe change a little bit of the rules just to make the the big blocks a little more cost effective, right? And then you know, so guys can move up if they you know from the three fifty to the big blocks or even run both. Uh, you know, guys in the dirt series they run you know three fifty eights and big blocks, and it's sure you know back in the day you know guys all ran supers and modifieds together on the same night. Uh, that used to be you know fun. we used to do the non-wing the wing race on the same night with a few other guys and, yep you know the i think the fans really like that stuff oh i agree and that's really i mean the entertainment is what you're what you're there for at the end of the day that you got to have the people coming through the gates um you know i wonder uh what are you what do you see when you kind of look around the racing world and see all of this sort of modern day green you know technology i mean you're starting to see hybrid motors trickle in and you know do you ever think it gets to a point uh where we start looking at that technology even as you know as far down the ladder as like the super modifieds 
Well, unfortunately, like I said, you can't stop progress. No. And, you know, who knows 20 years from now what it's going to be like. You know, we may be into, uh, you know, some, some, of, that, some of that technology. Uh, it's hard to say. It's uh, it, it's always interesting to kind of see how it it gets, you know, it sneaks in at the top and it trickles down, and of course, and, you know, and especially with with that technology, you know, these the, the manufacturers are going to start, you know, making less and less of the, you know, the uh, the normal big block motors we're used to at some point, I would think. So you know, you kind of you start looking at that now, so you can be prepared with a plan. Um, you know, I don't know that it's going to take twenty years, but we'll we'll see how that works out. But uh, man, the 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 thought of uh, Howie Page chassis uh, being built again, I'm sure people will be really excited about that. And and it it would be interesting to see what your car is compared to the Hawk and uh, the extreme cars that we're used to seeing. Um, is there really room in this sort of um, formula of race car? Is there a lot of room for the kind of innovation we used to see? It feels to me like the box has to be a little bit smaller than it was, right? Yeah, I don't know. You know, over the years, when, you know, when Jimmy Champagne built that first offset, you know, they thought that was as far as it would go. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I don't think it'll ever be, there's always going to be innovation. Uh, the problem is you just can't price yourself out. So it's right. not even worth it to people to do. Yeah. It costs uh, more, I guess. You know, to, if you yeah. can't, you can't price it out. So you only got five or six cars or eight cars, whatever, you know, yeah. you've got to, you got to make it so that, uh, you can still keep a field of cars. It's, uh, you know, for the fans to see, watch race on a Saturday Friday, Saturday, oh, Sunday, whatever night it might be. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, and that's why, you know, it, it, it's like I said, it, it's interesting. Like what could Howie Page do that isn't essentially similar to what everybody else is doing would be with, is, is I think what, what's interesting, how your cars might be a little different than, you know, the rest of the cars that are out there. Oh yeah. They'll definitely be a little different. You know, uh, you know, Joey's cars are, you know, basically I say one of a kind, you know, those are, you know, his ideas and, um, and they work real well. For and, sure. you know, obviously Clyde Booth has his own ideas on his type, the type of cars that he builds. And, yep. and the same thing with Paul Coloco when he was building his, they're all a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still doing the same, uh, doing the same job, but, um, underneath the skin, uh, you'll definitely see differences, and uh, that's always what kept Super Modified Racing alive because they weren't all exactly the same. So uh, I think you need to have that, and uh, hopefully it'll just continue to move forward. And uh, and you know we'll we'll still have full fields of cars with with difference, you know, so they're not all the same car out there. Okay, so uh, if you're listening to this show and you're looking for a new Supermodified, the word is out. Call Howie Page. He's open <laughs> for business here. Yeah, Let's get when we get ready, we're going to at least build two <laughs> to start at the same time. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not even, uh, it's going to be a while yet, but we'll, we'll be doing it. We'll be at least be starting it, you know, I'm going to say probably within, within six months, um, you know, start the process and then we'll just uh, see how long it takes and, um, you know, see what the rule changes. If there ever is going to be any, I would like, uh, I'd like to see a few. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I would, I wouldn't, I would like to hear from the promoters and the, and the builders, you know, get together sometime and, 
and maybe see if they could make it make a few changes and make it a little more cost effective to uh, to keep this class going. Interesting meeting that would be. No, I, believe, I bet that would be a very fascinating meeting to be a fly <laughs> on the wall for, for sure. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to having some of your cars back out. Um, okay, what is your, tell us about your business, promote your business a little bit, uh, you know, and, and uh, for anybody that might want to be, uh, want to be involved. So uh, my business is still in the, the auto truck repair business. Yep. We've moved more into the uh, heavy truck, heavy equipment business. Ah. Uh, re- as far as repair, we do a lot of diesel engine work. Um, I have a uh, hydraulics uh, hose business. We have a storefront uh, right here on 104 between Oswego and Hannibal. Oh, okay. And we do a lot of hydraulic hoses. And also, I do a lot of performance boat engines now. Oh, uh, nice. Basically, the, the performance boats have kind of uh, filled the void of uh, me not being at the racetrack. So uh, we do, and it's a lot of big block stuff, so I keep my hands right in that. Got to feed the uh, addiction somehow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So we do uh, we do, do a lot of engine work, actually, from, like I said, performance boats to a lot of diesel engine stuff, uh, car, you know, he- medium to heavy trucks and heavy equipment. We, are we going to see Howie the hydroplane racer at some point? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do run the we do run the Miami to Key West poker, poker run with one of my buddy's boats every year. Oh wow! And, and we got two poker runs lined up uh, this year to do. Uh, we're going to Missouri in uh, in August, and then we're going back to Miami and Key West uh, November. Tell for for people who don't really know what that is, talk about what what that is and what that's like. That sounds like a whole lot of way too much fun. Well, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's pretty stressful. I mean, it uh, <laughs> definitely gets your adrenaline going. You know, you're with uh, uh, usually the Miami to Key West Poker Run that we do. We it's usually two 250 boats, and uh, you know, average you know boats run anywhere from 80 to we've got 200 mile an hour boats that run. It. Wow! And uh, yeah, like I said, it really fills in the the void of not being on the racetrack a few times a year, and. Uh, it's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, like I said, you get out in the ocean and and uh, the intercoastal, and you know, going that fast with that many boats, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. Man, I mean, do you guys all like beep and wave to the Coast Guard when you go flying by them, or what? That's, that's oh yeah, just... the Coast Guard they take pictures of all of us when we go by. <laughs> Bad, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, good for you. Well, if anybody has any reason to take advantage of any of that, if you need hydraulic hoses, uh, just give Howie a call and he'll get you taken care of well uh and and again i want to go back uh, to where we started here as we close this we wanted to to talk a little bit about tim t and give him a, a bit of a proper send-off uh you know just uh in in a in a few words uh, or as many words as you want uh you know tell us uh how should we remember tim t and and and, and how will you remember him well i always remember tim he's just really one of my best friends and uh you know, he gave me he gave me the biggest break of my racing career. You know, when he hired me, and uh, and he's helped so many other people in the past. Uh, and people will tell you, yep, Timmy, he was always a little rough around the edges, but boy, he had a heart of gold. And uh, if you needed something, he'd be there to help you out. And um, he uh, will always remember him for that. He always 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 a lot of fun to be around. And uh, like I said, it was just a just a you know it was. It was an honor just to know him. 
It's it's funny because I I think I and I commented yesterday on somebody's post uh, that I don't know that I ever knew how to pronounce his last name correctly because I'm not sure I ever heard anybody say it. Do you know what how how does he how did the last name how is that pronounced? It's it's Trefevin. It's uh, Trefevin. I can remember the spelling. It's T R E. Uh, uh, I can't remember if it's P H or F E N. <laughs> T R E F E N, I think it is. Okay, <laughs> it's Trefevin. Is that is actually how Trefevin, you say it? Okay, but um, trust me, I haven't said it too much in my life. That's what I'm saying. Like it's a, it's it's so funny how people just you know they get they get this sort of aura about them, and you don't even need to know their last name. It's just Tim T, and that's incredible. I love that. Um, and uh, we we certainly our prayers and condolences go to Tim's family and loved ones. And uh, uh, Howie, I so appreciate you taking some time to come on and chat with us and uh happy to to hear that uh, you're not out of the racing business yet and that uh, we're going to see a resurgence of howie page super modifieds here in the very near future and i'm sure that somebody after listening to this show is going to be on the phone calling you wanting to have the first one off the line <laughs> yeah well thanks tom i appreciate having me on and uh, i really appreciate you doing that for tim t because uh he was just a great guy and he meant a lot to a lot of people. And, um, I know a lot of people haven't seen him in a long time, but, uh, you know, he was, uh, he's going to be missed. He was, uh, he was a huge part of, uh, you know, racing in new England and Isma and, uh, Swigo everywhere. And, um, He'll be missed for sure. We will. I appreciate you absolutely. talking about him. We will never forget him, and uh, we will keep him in our memory forever. That uh, is Howie Page. We'll be back with more of Inside Groove right after this. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove, and wow, is this a good uh, addition to this show. Finally, we have Camden Proud back on U.S. soil and ready to go racing at the Oswego Speedway on Saturday night. Camden, first of all, great to have you back on the show. And it sounds like we are going to have some good car counts for all divisions and uh, a whole lot to follow going into tomorrow night. That's the way it's sounding, yeah, back home and, and right in the thick of things, so we're excited to get going tomorrow. Well, you kind of came home at the last minute, right? You you, you got <laughs> you home just in time to go racing, which I, I think that could be worse. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be quite the uh, – quite the afternoon tomorrow they moved the schedule up now they as of the time we're recording the show on friday afternoon they've just called the practice uh for today because of weather uh is is tomorrow expected to be clear is there any weather issues for opening day um i mean it doesn't look great in the morning but any rain's supposed to taper off around 11 a.m so i think for racing we'll be just fine Good. Yeah, well, and that'll uh, that'll work fairly well with the schedule they put out, I think, and get you going, hopefully, uh, in the mid-afternoon time frame so that uh, everybody can get out 
early while it's still uh, early enough in the day and before the temperature gets real cold. So let's start. Um, let's start with the preview here and let's talk about the three fifties first. So how many three fifties do you think is realistic that we can expect? Because man, this division in the small blocks just ballooned over the winter as far as car count. Yeah, I really did. And it's just like with the SBS, it's nice to get some new names involved. And I think weekly, you could see the car counts fluctuate a lot depending on what some of the New England guys are doing. Yeah. Um, but just to have all these new rookies we have, and, and we call them rookies, but Dave Cliff, John Testerario, Craig Harris, um, those are three pretty big names right there that have a lot of experience. Um, and then also the raw Oswego rookies, okay. Nick Kenny, Kelly Spaulding, Kyle Perry. Um, we're going to have a really nice field for tomorrow night. Kelly uh, did a nice job in practice recently uh, running some good laps. I mean, it's nice to see the improvement that she's had in just the uh, the short number of practices that she's been able to run over the last uh, months. <laughs> she really did a, a spectacular job. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I was watching from the tower, and, and she, was, she was smooth and consistent in the low 17s, and um, really just just last Saturday alone picked up so much from where she was at the beginning of the day to the end and just enormous strides from from last year so that was cool to see I went in the pits after and asked her boyfriend if she was eye racing or something over the winter because (laughs) (laughs) wow I mean she improved a lot so I'm really happy for Jason and and that whole group they're a great family do we think that uh, we could hit a dozen to 15 tomorrow night I think so, but it's, it's going to depend on what New England cars are coming. And at, at this point, that's kind of unclear because we had a few of them that were scheduled to practice for a fast Friday. Then we scheduled a regular practice for today. It looked like rain initially. Tomorrow didn't look so hot, so I'm afraid maybe that'll scare a couple of the out-of-towners away. I hope not, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, let's hope not because, uh, man, it's time to go racing. Uh, so uh, how about the small blocks? I mean, I've got to believe we're looking at 20 or more of those at this point, aren't we? I think if not 20, we'll be really close to it. Interesting. I would think with all the new cars, we'd we'd be able to uh, surpass 20, but we've got a number of rookies in that division. And again, some of them looking really, really impressive going into this first race. It's going to be a good rookie of the year race. At practice last weekend, they were kind of having their own race, all the rookies. I was just <laughs> standing on top of the tower, cringing and covering my face, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, guys, it's open practice. <laughs> but they all did a, a good job, and they're all really smooth, and nobody out there is erratic and all over the place. And I'm not just saying that either. Really, they're not. They all look great, and it's just – it's going to be incredible. I think it could be the most exciting race of the weekend. Well, I, I'll tell you what, uh, it's exciting to, to see everybody in that, that rookie group is kind of in rare form already. Um, and obviously the big one didn't happen. So that bodes well because we saw a lot of them go out and run laps, but for the most part over the last year, you're, you're doing it pretty much by yourself. Um, to know that they were all kind of racing each other and and uh, having other cars around and nothing bad happened. That's a really good sign from that crop of racers. It is, and you, you have to get that experience. Maybe not For at sure. open practice, but you, you have to get that experience. <laughs> well. um, 
but I, I'm glad all went well. <laughs> Unfortunately for for Griffin Miller, um, he was the fastest car all day and hit 18.9 and was the fastest car all last year in testing also. And just he tried to go under someone on a four and got it crossed up and nearly had it woed down enough, but took a pretty tough shot into the inside hub rail, and that Ooh. was a clip job. And um, the car's pretty mangled. Maybe it's not anymore. Okay. Uh, Rob and 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 all the guys were down there at his shop this week working on it and, and trying to get it fixed up. And Oh, boy. Um, I'm hoping they do make it tomorrow night, and if not, that Griffin is able to get in a ride because that would knock him out of the Rookie of the Year race in a hurry, and that would be a shame. Yeah, it would be, um, especially after, uh, as you say, as well as he's practiced, you would expect that he would be a contender, um, not only for Rookie of the Year, but certainly at some point uh, you'd expect him to start contending for wins during the season, and, and uh, that you just uh, don't like to see somebody have to miss opening day. So uh, hopefully they'll they'll get the car fixed and back to 100%. Um, what are, who are some of the other rookies we should be paying attention to here? Well, I mean, there's 10 or 11 or a dozen to pick from, depending <laughs> on the week. Yeah. Here I think we're going to have 10, and then next thing you know we have more. So I just want to name them all. I don't know if they're all going to be racing this week, but the registered rookies right now, are Joey DeStevens, Scott Davis, Griffin Miller, Mark Denny, Tony DeStevens, Robbie Bruce, A.J. Larkin, Matt Germain, Josh Wallace, and Derek Hilton. Okay, and so uh, all of those, and by the way, for those wondering, is Josh Wallace? Yes, he is a relation to Ron. I think it would be, what, a nephew? Great nephew. Great nephew, yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, part of the famous Wallace racing family and, uh, can't wait to see how this young man does. And it's going to be good to have a Wallace back out on the track at the Oswego Speedway. Okay. So, uh, super modified, big block cars. Um, I think that the story that everybody's following right now, um, <laughs> it was the, the, the story about Cole Smith, Bobby's son, getting into the Gozik backup car for the first time ever. I don't believe Cole's ever raced anything. Um, gets into the car, goes out, and, and and I didn't know this either, how quickly it happened, but you said within five laps was an 18 flat, um, and then something broke on the car, uh, brake issues, and sent him into the wall. Um, what is going on with Cole? Will we see him in uh, a uniform and attempting to qualify tomorrow when uh, we get the gates open and go racing. I don't know if you will tomorrow, but I, I would almost guarantee you, you will later this year. Um, and I want to say he, he raced quarter midgets for a long time and was very good. He, he won a lot race. of races. Okay. okay. And he was the double zero in quarter midgets. I know that's a surprise. Um, <laughs> Not. <laughs> but it, it was... Oh, it was awesome to to see him out on the track. And um, I was walking around the pits, and I wondered why Joe had brought the old car. And Chuck told me in the in the tower that the Cole was just going to take it out and mess around and take a few slow laps. And next thing you know, it's like lap four, and it's eighteen flat. And that was just the first session. He comes out for the second session, and almost right away is right back down to eighteen flat. No kidding! Incredible! And, wow! Yeah, I mean, just did a great job and. He's obviously been around it a long time with, with Bobby and, and Joe helping Joe and has the knowledge. Um, I wish his dad was, was here to see it. But, um, yeah, I think the next lap he would have cracked off his first 17 and 
went into the three and just straight in the walls, a hard shot. And um, I think everybody was thinking he got in too hot, but wasn't the case. Uh, brake failure and that sent him into the foam. So kind of an unfortunate ending, but hopefully not the end of him being in the car. Yeah, I hope not, man. That would be exciting to see um, to see Cole out there and, and starting to uh, to race. And uh, gosh, is the 09 number, is that still available? That could be interesting. Uh, I know he obviously won't be double zero because Joe is, but that would be a nice number for him to start with. Bob Bogwitz is registered as it, and I've seen a, a picture that Joe Chalemi posted of the motor in that car, and the car... Uh, somewhat further along than what they've had at the last couple of years. I know Bob's wanted to get out and I hope this year's finally the year for that. Okay. So I guess we'll have to see maybe, uh, you know, maybe they'll find another number for Cole, obviously, but uh, that would be a lot of fun to see him out there and certainly well-earned. I mean, he's been around his entire life, obviously grew up with Bobby racing. And then as you say now, I didn't realize he had raced quarters, but um, you know, and he's been working with Joe for how long now? So um, I just think that would be awesome to see him out there. Um, Again, uh, we, we look, relatively close to 20 maybe a little over 20 which is great for the big blocks uh talk about uh is there anybody that we know that's coming that's kind of a surprise uh we know most of the usual suspects will be there yeah i can tell you who i think coming and we can do it that way sure um i I first want to say that joe gozik will not be there oh Uh, man and that he just had a a health issue come up and oh um he'll, he'll be cleared to race Next week, I think it will be, and, ah. and if not, then certainly for classic. Okay. So, it stinks he can't make the opener. Bummer. But, um, I really wanted to see him run for a championship this yeah, year, but man. maybe he'll man. have a little more time with with his car sitting out to, on the positive side, give some attention to Cole's deal, and, and yeah. maybe Cole will make it out one of the next two weeks. Absolutely. Um, okay. So no. No go for Gojo uh, tomorrow night for no. the opener. Um, no. That's, that's unfortunate. Okay, so uh, go ahead and tell us who we do expect to be there. Uh, Brandon Bellinger, Jeff Abel, Tim Snyder, Doug Didero, Otto Sitterly, Max McLaughlin, Eric Iosu, Joey Payne, Michael Muldoon, Mike McVetta, Mike Bruce, Mo Lilji was a maybe, okay. Allison Slode, Dan Connors, Tyler Thompson, Dave Danzer, myself, Halla Tulip. I'm not sure on Bill Sharkey. He's on the fence, I think. Lulave Sr., Lulave Jr., Michael Barnes, Gard Nierbin, Todd Stoll cannot make it due to a work commitment, oh, Jack Patrick, and Jerry Kern. So I don't know how many I just rattled off, but <laughs> um, Brian Cavalier is going to listen to this, and he's going to tell me. So. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) We're big Brian fans on this show. Um, So, uh, all right. So still sounds like a respectable field. Hopefully shark can make it out. I mean, he's been, uh, he's been threatening us for over a year that he's coming out and he he kept saying opening day, opening day, opening day. So uh, we hope that uh, shark will be able to have it ready. Um, and, uh, and, and then again, uh, do we know, uh, anything about, uh, of course, Tyler's going to run now. I didn't hear you say Max McLaughlin. So it sounds like 
Max may not be there. Do we know what his status is and exactly what races he's going to run? Because when I interviewed him, um, you know, he said most of, or it sounded like, you know, a most of the season kind of thing. But now Tyler's back. So how does that change Max's status? And do we have a number for Max? Do we know what he's going to, what the number is going to be? I did. I did say Max. I was probably just talking way too fast. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, good. So So two car team. Yeah. He'll okay. be here tomorrow, and he was supposed to practice last night. They didn't quite get it done, and now he's not practicing tonight either. Of course, right, because it rained out, right. It's canceled, so yeah. um, I, <laughs> they're supposed to race. He's here. Um, I don't know if he's just going to show up and run a super modified race with no practice at all. Oh, I wouldn't um, be surprised. Oh, he'll get <laughs> Max would. I don't know if Jason will want him to, but Max would. <laughs> I, I'm sure he would. Yeah. Um, Max is chopping at the bit to get in that thing. So hopefully we'll have him for tomorrow. Uh, fingers crossed. But he is going to be the crazy eight. Oh, there we go. All right. You know what? Um, that that number um, was retired. And, um, and nobody has really run it, but you know what? I am super excited that they're bringing that number and I hope they put the exact same scheme on it that, um, that Mike had when he ran an 82 with that, that beautiful red crazy eight car. I hope it's the exact same type of scheme. Cause that would be awesome. It um, is the exact same. Oh, that's great. That is so cool. I know everybody's going to be excited about that. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, I, I'm just going to say that I would well imagine that, uh, first of all, I don't think that Jimmy Champagne would have, uh, probably even wanted to retire the number, uh, number one. I don't know that he would have, I think he was humble enough that he would have said, no, come on now. Uh, you know, uh, but number two, uh, I think he would be more than impressed with Max and more than, than happy to see Max carrying on Mike's. Uh, tradition with that all of that and i i just can't wait that's great okay so we got the crazy eight the 98 is what we're gonna have yeah on yeah. uh on that team and i am super happy that tyler is coming back and i get the feeling that he's gonna run every week now is that what i'm hearing it sounded it's it. yeah it sounds like tyler's gonna run every week and max is gonna run about eight to 10 races. Super. And I know, I think it was the second classic max said he couldn't run, but I got the feeling he was trying for the first one. So he's going to be in the first classic 64, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, awesome. Well, um, man, it sounds like a good field. Uh, and I know that, uh, there are some cars like Gozik that, uh, won't be able to run that are still out there. Uh, but if we can get everybody off to a good clean start, we don't tear up a lot of stuff, uh, tomorrow night. That'll get, um, that'll get the year off right for everybody. And hopefully these first couple of weeks, everybody minds their P's and Q's and we go into the classic with a good, healthy field, uh, that should be a lot of fun. What do we need to know? Uh, we're putting this out uh, this afternoon. So what do we need to know about tomorrow night? I know the, the schedule's moved up. It's posted on all of the Oswego Speedway social. What are the particulars in terms of, um, you know, the COVID restrictions? I mean, what what's, what's all of that uh, need to look like? Well, I'll start with the schedule. Okay. Uh, we're going to open the pit gates at 1245 stands and hot laps at 145 uh drivers meeting at 315 time trials at 345 
the, the group time trials or yeah. time warm-ups mm-hmm. yep. and heats at 4.30. Um, as far as ticketing, we've rolled out a new online ticketing system. Yes, talk think, about that. Overall, I think it's working really well. And the, the goal in mind with that is to just provide a quick and efficient, touchless, healthy, COVID-free way to get into the track Sweet. and not have to wait in a line. You just go online to this link and it's right if you go to swigglespeedway.com and click buy tickets or use the link on Facebook okay. all you have to do is sign up for an account you'll get an email and might go to your spam folder so check your spam folder if you sign up confirm your account go click on our schedule Sweet. find opening day and buy your desired number of passes and once you have them all you literally have to do is check your email take the ticket with the barcode and bring it to the gate and scan in and out of the track on race day you don't have to do anything else so it's it's really convenient and i think that most fans have appreciated so far the ones that have been able to figure it out (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably everybody under my age is probably how that everybody 50 or younger is figuring well (laughs) i'm glad you said it (laughs) well i'm in the age group man you know me in technology (laughs) um it fights with me every day um so no i think that's a great system though now so does what happens then um when let's say in the middle of a program you want to leave the track to go to your car or whatever do you just scan out and then scan back in that's it yep perfect wow saves you from having to get the pass or the wristband or anything now what about pit passes how does that work is it the same deal pit passes is a little different you can buy a pit pass online um and i want to mention for any teams that are listening to this that haven't heard somehow yet all haulers have to go in through the back i saw that i love that i think that could be a permanent thing yeah i hope it is i it kind of saves the congestion and the long wait out front and then you can get the walk-ins or people that are just buying a pit pass or even crew members can go out front to the front windows but haulers got to go to the back so if you buy a pit pass online they'll give you a barcode go up to the window and you'll get well, you have to show them the barcode, obviously, yeah. and then you'll get your wristband and sign off the, the pit waiver and then drive your hauler up to the top of the ramp and then everybody will get scanned in that has a wristband and the pit pass, and that's it. Wow. Really simple Very there, good. too. Yeah, yeah, nice change. Yeah. Somebody had a really ge- ingenious idea with that whole system, and I uh, I would assume that, uh, I mean, is this an Oswego-specific thing, or, or is this sort of a software that, that a lot of tracks are using now? Because that's a great idea. Um, I, Paul and, and the, everybody up there, Tony, they, they've talked about it for a while. Oh, okay. But um, shout-out to, to Rudy, who's, who's worked really hard on it, and <laughs> – this is bad. He's related to Johnny somehow. I don't know how, but he, he's done a nice job on it. Um, but he's a member of the Tracy family. And I, I want to give him a shout out for a job well done. Well, that's uh, I don't know that you're that you're you've ever been quizzed on the Tracy family tree. So Johnny will probably forgive you. But uh, uh, Rudy, congratulations, because that's a great idea. And uh, I'm sure that will speed things up tremendously. So as long as you keep the word out there for a while till everybody really kind of gets used to it. Um, right. You know, should be great. Uh, well, we wish you obviously we wish you uh, good luck, Cam. I know you're uh, anxious to get back in the car. And you told me before we went. Uh, to record here that everything is ready to go is the car in the box and and you're just waiting for tomorrow 
It was supposed to be in the box last night, but I told Dad let's not because I had a feeling we were going to rain out today. So oh. we'll put it in the box tonight. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, good luck, Cam, and good luck to all racers, all divisions uh, at the Oswego Speedway. Tomorrow should be a dynamite opening day. Bring a jacket if it's going to be cool. And, uh, man, enjoy some uh, fish from Skip's Fish Fry. Shameless plug. Um, and uh, just, just enjoy some great racing. And, again, uh, we'll have, uh, obviously, all of the the details on next week's show. Um, and uh, we're going to be back with more of the Inside Groove. We'll finish it all up right around the turn. Stay with us. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove. And, of course, uh, this has been a busy show already, so I am not going to prolong it too much uh, on the back end here. But I uh, do have some thoughts to share and uh things to discuss here uh first of all we didn't have a chance to talk about it at the top but this is episode 72 of the inside groove and i'm going to call this the doug sire episode uh doug the first one that i saw at the oswego speedway with the number 72 i am quite sure there were many others before him or at least a few but um he was the first that I knew about. And then in the mid-70s, Doug changed to the 52 in 1976 when Warren Conium ended up driving for him. And uh, Doug stayed with that number the rest of his career. And then we had Jim Shirey come in. And Jim ran the number 72 a number of times while he was uh, coming to Oswego. And I think he drove some other cars as well. Uh, but um, the first one was actually the V2, but I think it always ran as 72. Um, and so I remember that being his number, I think, for a while. And then the next one I remember is Greg Furlong um, running it. And, um, you know, that was always uh, Greg's number. And uh, that's really about it. I don't recall any other number 72s that I could think of. Um, and if anyone has some, please uh, feel free to drop them into the comments. But those are the ones that uh, I remember. But I'm going to choose to kind of label this the Doug Sire episode just because, uh, you know, Doug uh, Doug left us, I think last year it was, I believe that he left us. Um, and boy, he was, or it might have been two years ago now. Time goes so quickly. Um 
but uh, he was just one of my favorite drivers to go get an autograph from. And I always loved that yellow number 72. I think it was an old Indy car that he had um, in the early to mid 70s there. Um, Doug drove some other cars too, but uh, I think most famous probably for that number 72. And that's the car that he won uh, his feature race, first feature race in at Oswego. And might have won actually a second one. I can't remember. But um, he never did win in the 52 car. Warren Conium came close a few times in 76. They had it running pretty good. And I think he had some second-place finishes with it, but never did get a win. And um, Doug drove it for a number of years until he retired from racing. And uh, Doug never uh, never could get it to victory lane. But um, Doug was a super nice guy, as most of our Canadian friends are. Um, and I really just... Uh, Really just want to dedicate this one to him. Um, so that, uh, that's that's the number 72 for you. If Again, if anyone's got any more, um, by all means, drop them in the comments and uh, let's have some discussion. You guys are always good at thinking of a few that were either before my time or just that my aging brain, um, which is fast running out of ability to hold data, it seems like, um, <laughs> is able to recall. Okay. Um, next thing is I want to talk about, so after the last episode, which was our tribute to Ed, uh, Sam Carista, um, I had talked on the, the broadcast about trying to get a hold of Ed Carista to have Ed on the show. Well, <clears throat> a couple of different members of his family were kind enough to pass me his phone number. And today Joe Buskey added to that. So I, I have the same number from a few different places. And I thank all you guys so very much for taking the time to do that. So, um, our next show, I hope I'm going to give him a call and see if I can get him for our next show. So our next show will be a, obviously a review of opening day at Oswego and also, we hope to talk to Ed Carista on our next show as well. If we can make that arrangement that quickly, that's what we're going to do. And that show will be out. Now that we're racing, we're going to put our shows out during the week. This one is late for a number of reasons. Uh, getting it out here on Friday night, uh, I wanted to get it out just as a preview. I could have held it till afterward. But uh, when I had the chance to talk to Cam and do a little season preview, I wanted to do that. So I hope you enjoy this show. For those of you who don't hear it before the Saturday night race, I apologize. But we're going to start trying to get the shows out at least hopefully by Wednesday night in, in the week. That's that's the working goal that I'm trying to achieve here. Um, if I can get them out on Sunday or Monday, that's even better. It's just going to really – I'm, I'm going through a bit of a shift in some of what I'm doing down here. And um, so it's going to take me a few weeks to kind of reset my schedule a little bit, but it's going to give me ultimately more control over my time. So um, bear with me because uh, this, what I'm doing now is, is going to be good three or four weeks down the road. So um, look for the next Inside Groove as soon as I can get to uh, Ed and get it out. And if I can do that by Sunday night or Monday night, that's awesome. We're going to do that if we can. So you may have almost back-to-back -back groups here. Um, and we're going to try to get on a repeatable schedule again where you guys know when the show is coming out and can be ready for it. Uh, so um, anyways, Ed will be hopefully our next 
guest, and I'm really, really, really excited to talk to him. That's going to be a blast. Um, okay, hope you enjoyed the little bombshell that Howie Page stuck in there about uh, building a uh, building some new cars. That was a nice surprise. And I also wanted, before we uh, say goodbye here, I wanted to just slip in a little bit of commentary about the Dale Jr. download this week with Bentley Warren. First of all, um, I thought it was awesome that Dale had gotten the 50 Years of Classics book and had read through it just over and over and over and over. I had no idea. I knew Dale was interested in Oswego and Bentley, and but I had no idea he was uh, that committed, so to speak, uh, I thought he did a good show, a good show with Bentley for the most part. I thought it was a great interview. Um, he, like me, goes to the Larry King school of tell me stories, never mind stats. Uh, you can find the stats elsewhere. I'm more in tune. I want to know about people and know about their stories and know about what makes them tick. And Dale is, is truly interested in that. And, and just, um, I love the title of the episode he gave it American badass. I mean, that's. <laughs> as good as it gets for Bentley. The only thing that I couldn't help but chuckle at was when Dale Jr. finally got Jimmy Champagne's name into the conversation very late, I might add, and then said, um, and, and Jim Champagne, and he looks at Bentley and goes, I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Champagne? And Bentley goes, yeah, Champagne, uh-huh. And I'm just like, oh, like... Bentley, <laughs> you know, it was pretty funny. So somehow I think uh, up there, Jimmy looked down and just kind of laughed and uh, probably enjoyed the moment. But um, it was a great interview. And, you know, I can I can tell you from being based down here that that interview and the 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 recognition of Oswego Speedway went way up because of that interview um, way beyond anything that we could probably ever imagine. I mean, the value of all of that airtime um, on Dale Jr.'s download is astronomical. So congratulations to everyone at Oswego Speedway for the free publicity that that got, because um, that was tremendous. So um, wanted to just uh, throw some of that. I'd uh, love to, to know what you guys thought of it. In the comments, uh, I know some of you have been talking about it on some of the other pages, but uh, if you want to uh, toss something in the comments and we'll have some discussion or whatever um, on, on the show page, uh, Inside Group Podcast on Facebook. Um, but uh, just had a, a, a great time with this show. Um, I am so uh, sorry to hear about Tim T's passing, and I'm so thankful to Howie Page for taking some time to talk about Tim um, so quickly into, you know, the process. Uh, and it was great to just talk with Howie about his career. He is one of the nicest gentlemen I've ever met in the sport. And, um, you know, just so uh, genuine and humble and uh, and talkative and, and fun to talk to, uh, frankly, and very knowledgeable. So um, hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, great to have Cam back on the show. Really missed uh uh, convincing with him about uh, Swigo and the Supers and all of that. So I'm really tickled to death that uh, we could get Cam back in. And I just, again, want to thank um, Jeff West, Indie Performance Composites, 
uh, Rich Worth, JNS Paving, and of course, uh, the, all the folks, Sean Cathcart and the folks from Skip's Fish Fry, uh, just a- appreciate all those people as friends uh, as, and as well as um, supporters of this show. Really, really, really uh, thankful to them. So, um, I, I want to cut this off right here just so I can get it edited together and get it out um, at a reasonable time tonight for y'all to listen to it. And tomorrow before you go to the racetrack, um, I, I do want to add one more thing here at the end uh, bef- in this. I, I wanted to put this at the end for a reason. Sometimes there are things that are far more important than racing. And I saw a post uh, late last night from Terry Strong that uh, basically says, that as of right now, she is cancer free. And oh my gosh, I just literally screamed. I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I mean, uh, just that was so awesome to read that post, Terry. Um, I am so excited for you. So happy for you and for Pat and, and the family. Um, I know it doesn't mean that uh, the cancer isn't going to recur or whatever, whatever the future holds. Um, We don't know. We can't predict the future. But the beautiful thing about opening day at Oswego this weekend is that Terry and the family are going to be able to go there with a smile on their face and celebrate and have a good time and just enjoy racing like they always have. And honestly, folks, I think that's more important than anything else that's been done or said on this show. So uh, God bless you, Terry. We're grateful that uh, you that God gave you the strength and helped you to get through this. And uh, Pat and all of the family, um, we're still praying for you to stay cancer free and uh, stay strong. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys as soon as I can get up there at some point uh, this year. So uh, everybody have a great time tomorrow night at opening night at the Oswego Speedway, 70th season. Oh, man, what a year it's going to be. Look forward to catching you on the next Inside Groove, episode 73, coming soon. Have a great weekend, everybody. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.